Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We have not reached the promised land, but we're at the front gate. I'll tell you that. 9.09 Friday morning, joined by our friend Ian McNulty, who covers food and dining culture for the Times-Picayune New Orleans Advocate. How you doing, Ian McNulty? Recovered yet? I, I am on the path, that is for sure. It is. Uh, it, it was a glorious ride, and uh, we're, we're, we're at the base of the roller coaster looking back up at it thinking, Wow, look at all those twists and turns we took over Carnival. Uh, yeah, that's, it's good to be back on solid ground again. I know I had a good time during Carnival, Tommy, because I'm glad it's over. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's the way you do it, right? Yep. In the midst of it, you're like, this is wonderful, this is great. And uh, and by the end of it, by the end of Tuesday, you're like, yep, yep I, I had enough. Yeah, I'm full, I, and I am I am ready to shift gears. I, think... I will tell you this. Go ahead. It, was a, it was a glorious, glorious carnival season oh, yes. in a lot of ways. Totally And agree. there were many times when I stopped the people that I was stood there with on the carnival route or, or roaming around the streets with and just said, hey, you know, hold on a second. Look at this. Just soak this in. Mm-hmm. There's going to come a moment, and it might be in June. It might be in July. The way things are going, it might even be in October these days. Where we're going to think, oh, my God, why are we here? <laughs> why are we living here? Why are we putting up with all this? And then we will think back to those days, and we will think that's why. Well, that's one of the reasons why, anyway. It's a it's a it's a great recharge of the, of uh, of the, the spirits, I think. And uh, and I, I personally, I, I feel like a, a, a an arrow that's been been pulled back in the in the bow, uh, ready to shoot into the rest of the year with the with the good 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 times and uplift I got from Carnival in New Orleans. Yeah, I think that goes to the weather as well because it was a little bit chilly, but there's going to come a time in July where you're never going to believe you believe that it'll never get that way again, right? You'll you'll believe you'll Store never believe that it's going to get cold again in New Orleans, but it does. Sure enough, yes. If your bones and and the, the floorboards of your house could only keep some of that coolness into uh, right. <laughs> into the hotter months, we would uh, well, energy would be out of business, wouldn't they? But. Uh, that's all right. That's for a different conversation. Today's talking food, and, you know, yes, this is a, a definitely time to shift gears. It's Lent, but also today is the start of one of my favorite food festivals that I think is sort of a – well, it's a lot of things in addition to a food festival, but but really, in my, in my view and the way that I approach it, it, it is one of the best food festivals that I think too many people in New Orleans haven't heard of or, or don't yet appreciate. What I'm talking about is Tet, which is uh, – the, the, the Lunar New Year in, in the Vietnamese tradition of it. You know, lots of Asian cultures celebrate the Lunar New Year, uh, but in, in the Vietnamese tradition, it's called Tet, and there are multiple celebrations of it that go on around our community, but the biggest one every year happens out in Village de l'Est, out in the, the easternmost reaches of New Orleans East, uh, at the Mary Queen Mary uh, of Vietnam Church, 
and it is uh, a sight to behold, and especially, like I say, it, it means many things in its community, but it is a big deal for food. And it was described to me by, by one of the deacons of the church who helps run the, uh, the, the whole proceedings out there, Deacon Vin Tran. Thank you for all your help, uh, Deacon, Deacon Vin. Uh, it was described to me by him as uh, really akin to Thanksgiving. You know, people, they want to come home. They cook together. Uh, it, it's everyone has a task in the kitchen, and you know this is how it plays out in, in the Vietnamese home, and a lot of that translates um, in a very public way, at, festival style, at the Tet Fest that the church puts on. And so it goes on. It starts tonight, uh, I believe, um, just before six o'clock, and continues uh, during the day, Saturday, all through the night, and then again on Sunday. Kicks off with dragon dances and fireworks, and then for me the main attraction again is what's going down in these food tents, which are big sort of you know festival circus style sized tents around the grounds, and you know there are kids ricocheting every which way around the grounds with spraying silly string at each other. There's music on the stages, but then you really zero in on what's happening in these food tents, and you see. Uh, not restaurants, but uh, various ministries of this church, the people in the church coming together in teams uh, to prepare different types of dishes. And, you know, there might be the same dish represented at, at several different booths, but with their own spin on it. And it's just the ideal way to do it, Tommy, is you go with a couple people, uh, you, you, you shop with your eyes first, all of this food is being prepared out in the open, you, you see somebody you know, picking through the fresh herbs, somebody handling the rice noodles, somebody tending the broth with a giant oar. Uh, it's fascinating because you get to see all the pieces of it come together. You get to see the care and sort of communal effort that makes it all happen. You know, various soups, pho, of course, in several different varieties, but also different regional soups. And, you know, this changes year to year, and sometimes you have to ask the folks behind the counter to explain to you. <laughs> and others are uh, you know, focused on uh, there's one stand last year that was just seafood. So I mean, everything from char grilled oysters to salt and pepper style shrimp to squid on a stick. Uh, and then you know there are some there are some dishes that I would call um, a little more uh, a little more niche, perhaps a little more challenging. Uh, the baloo that some people have seen from travel video shows. It goes by various names uh, in different Asian countries, but essentially a, a a fertilized egg. Oh, uh, yes. Meat, sort of like a, uh, well, you know about a hard-boiled egg. Mm. This is a hardcore-boiled egg, you might say. Yes. <laughs> a feathery, no doubt. a feathery yeah. hard-boiled core egg, right? How'd you say it? Hardcore-boiled egg? <laughs> yeah, hardcore-boiled egg, Tommy. Yeah, this, this, is, uh, this is a snack that comes with a, an anatomy lesson in, uh, in, in poultry design. You know? <laughs> There's Ooh. no doubt about what you're eating when you get into this. Do you, do you um, eat that? You know, I when it comes to acquired tastes, I always like to test myself. You know, mm -hmm. have I acquired this yet? I can tell you definitively, as of last year, I have not yet acquired a taste for it. But mm. I'm I'm probably going to give it another go tonight when I when I get out there because uh, you know it's a, that's a, you know experiment, test the boundaries. But that that's that's an outlier. Really, what it is is it's, it's a lot of festival food. It's a lot of uh, comfort food. It might be a little drizzly tonight. It sounds like a good night to be slurping soup. And uh, also something I learned, you know, talking to the talking to the folks at the Mary Queen of Vietnam Church, is that slurping is a uh, is a compliment. It's a sign of uh, uh, a recognition of, of a really good soup. Um, and so if you 
over the din of all the kids running around yelling and screaming and the band playing if you hear uh, a certain undertone of slurping. You know, people are really getting into it. Somebody texted and wants a little bit more detail on this duck egg that we're talking about. And um, I, I would say if you're going to push the boundaries, have a bucket handy. That's just me because <laughs> I have no intention of push, pushing those boundaries. For it. Spell it out what you're talking about and, and what exactly it is, Ian. Okay, like I say, it goes by a lot of different names. But if you want to look it up, the most common name you're going to find it under is B-A-L-U-T. And it is essentially a fertilized egg. And so it's, you know, the, the eggs that, <laughs> that we get off the shelf or that we cook at home are not fertilized. You get your yolk and your, you know, you, you know how it works. Uh, but this one is, you know, there is a, there is a little baby chicken growing inside of there. And uh, it changes everything about that egg. And now uh, to... To, to look on the, you know, why might people like this? Uh, you break it open and you start eating eating it, and it is custardy and silky and creamy, uh, and and quite tasty in that regard, I have to say. Um, and then you know you get to the uh, the forensic evidence. Of what's is there a crunchy element to this? Yeah. Oh it's my god. Crunchy. Okay. It's feathery. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it depends just you know how far things have gone in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, to the degree of all that, uh, but you know, it comes with like, but like a lot of these uh, these great dishes, it's not as simple as all that. It comes with uh, some herbs on the side, some pepper to sprinkle on it, some salt. There's different ways to season it. So, like I say, an acquired taste. But this, I I I I, uh, I must underscore this is not the Baluk festival. This is Pet Fest, and the food uh, that you find in such abundance there is just so wonderful and there's so many different ways to cut into it uh last year the best thing that i had was this uh soup called bumbo Huey, and that says uh, a three-word vietnamese soup that really packs a world of flavor if you like pho which is i think most people are familiar with that by now the, the light uh, beef broth with the rice noodles this is a much heartier burlier soup much brawnier uh prepared in a lot of different ways the one i had out there had big hunks of pork knuckle in it uh had noodles it was red with spice and yeah it was a, it was a chilly night last year when i went as, as it may be tonight and it was it really hit the spot that was, it was quite delicious um but from there for instance on the other side of things i went with my godson last year and his favorite dish was a Korean corn dog, which if you're not familiar, picture a corn dog, but covered with uh, flaming hot Cheetos and mm. stuffed with mozzarella and served on a stick. And, you, you know, you give the kid a, a can of silly string in one hand and a Korean hot dog on the other, and uh, he was he was very, very happy. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a marvelous family-friendly event uh, between all the, the games that they have and the toys for sale. The kids love it. Uh, there is, but this this is also a New Orleans family-friendly event. So there are cases of Heineken and Bud Light stacked like like building materials behind the tents because the adults put away a lot of it. This is, you know, this is a church event, but it's also a New Orleans church event. It's a wonderful tableau of Vietnamese culture. And what I've learned from the people who host it is they are only too pleased uh, to open the doors to people from um, many communities beyond their own, and, and they're pleased to see an increasing variety and diversity of people making their way there because that's just how appealing 
it is when people in our area get together to proudly do what they do and do it over the soup pots and the fryers and uh, put it all out on edible display. And I'm here for it. Speaking of soup pots, when you start talking about this, I was reminded of a text I got at the beginning of the year it said, Happy New Year. Please mark your calendar for Sunday, February 18th to be at our Vietnamese festival. And it was from my friend Lon Bui. And I look at the, your article, and guess who you got a picture of stirring soup? <laughs> That's him, right? That's her. Uh, her. Yeah. And, and it's a big pot of uh, the best spicy soup. It looks delicious. Some kind of, I don't know if it's a tomato base or red pepper. What is all that about? Do you know? Well, that one that one might might be the bumbo way that I just mentioned. Um, I'm not looking at it right now, Tommy. Mm-hmm. But if it's a if it's a red soup it in is. a giant pot, yeah, yes, uh, that's likely the one that I mentioned. And so, uh, yeah, that, and that's the that's the joy of, of going to these festivals. Like think about going to if I go to uh, you know a, a Louisiana food festival. You know, you're seeing crawfish and all these different iterations. You're seeing you know, different takes on gumbo. Uh, same deal here. It's um, and and I've been told that there is you know there's there's no awards on the line here. This isn't like Hogs for the Cause where they're you know the teams are, are literally competing. But come on, you know how it is in a, in any kind of community, a church community, a civic group, whatever it is. There's a competitive streak going on in the different tents. And um, you know another piece of advice I picked up was look for the look for the longest lines in some of those booths because people have been coming to Tet Festival for a long time and they know. They know it's up with, with with who's cooking what, and uh, you know follow the follow, follow the ones who look like they're they're seasoned vets out there. What was the name of that soup again? Bun Bo Hue, which I'm probably well just really not pronouncing correctly for my Vietnamese friends out there. But they I'm had a song bet. about that, did they not? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the soup you're talking about. Remember it. Yeah, I remember it. Let's take a break. If you got any questions or comments about eating or drinking for Ian McNulty, 504-260-1870. We'll talk about it when we come back. I'm getting text in already from people looking for some great seafood other than crawfish, because crawfish are at such a premium this year as Lent has begun. More with Ian McNulty when we come back here on WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 927, our favorite time of week. We get to talk to Ian McNulty about eating and drinking in New Orleans. He covers food and dining culture for the Times-Picayune and the New Orleans Advocate. And somebody texted in here and said that, um, 
Hello, and Tommy and Ian. Love this weekly food segment. As a New Orleanian soldier that has served in the Pacific for many years, I agree that the Lunar Asian New Year is a fantastic holiday from a culinary viewpoint. Lots of delicious and unique foods. And I add Go Tigers, and I'll add on that we're going to be talking to Jeff Palermo after we talk to Ian McNulty about the Tigers getting their baseball season started. Somebody texted in about seafood options other than crawfish, since crawfish are going to be in such limited supply. And before we get to that, Ian, what are you hearing from restaurateurs and so forth and seafood places about crawfish? Is it going to be as bad as we're thinking it's going to be? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, that's been sort of my task in the last couple of days since uh, since you know, Lent began. Uh, it, it, it Really, we've been getting these projections and predictions about crawfish season for weeks now, I think since the beginning of the year, and it's looked pretty dismal. And right now, those predictions are sort of showing up in the marketplace. But I, I really have to say, I, I think the, the tail of the tape here really comes down to the last tail that you pinched, because I have been going across the area, and I've found both really disappointing results, and I've found some that are actually pretty promising. So, hmm. you know, as usual, uh, crawfish can be kind of inscrutable this time of year. You know, that I feel like there always is this this period where it, it looks like you hear, oh, crawfish are going to be in scarce supply. They're going to be expensive. And then at some point in the season, the switch is flipped and the floodgates open and suddenly it's everywhere. Now, I, I do think it's going to be different this year because we are contending with this historic drought and, and heat that happened last year that's having this huge knock-on effect to the harvest this year, another thing, important thing to remember is you know, virtually all the crawfish comes from Louisiana. So when something happens in Louisiana, it affects practically the entire crop. It's not like the cavalry is coming to the rescue from, from some other marketplace or some other region. It's not going to happen. But results in the field, I have to say, I've, I've found, yeah, the crawfish are available. They're very expensive, uh, probably twice what you'd expect to pay either live or uh, or boiled right now compared to, you know, February a year ago. And, and, and I remember from perspective, February is early still for crawfish season. It's it was it's an early Lent. It was an early Mardi Gras, an early Easter. You know, they all go in the same train there. Uh, so in our minds, it's Lent, and that means it's crawfish season. But according to the calendar, it's still the middle of February, which is early for crawfish. So we still have as this still has yet to play out. But but the indications are right now, if you're looking for crawfish, yes, they're available. Yes, they're very expensive, uh, and very often they're quite small. Uh, that said, I found a few examples where they were pretty good, especially, again, for February. Uh, went by Clessy's Seafood on Bienville Street yesterday and was quite happily impressed by what they were getting in. Now they were charging yeah, I was gonna $14 ask you that. a pound. How much? $14 a pound. Wow. $14 a pound at a restaurant uh, for boiled crawfish. Mm -hmm. So that's high, but it's, it's coming down from what it was. Uh, one of my correspondents out there in the world of food was telling me at crawfish in New Iberia, which is you know in the middle of Crawfish Central, a few weeks back, and it was eighteen dollars a pound, you know, and that's coming basically right off the rigs there in, in New Iberia. Uh, so it is declining, it is coming down. And when I talk to restaurant people, they say, yeah, it's you know maybe it's dropping a dollar this week, maybe it's dropping a dollar next week. Um, but on the other side of the coin, uh, you know, I talked to the folks at Dini's. They're giving crawfish a rest. You know, Dini's is synonymous with crawfish, and they they tried them out the last couple of weeks, and they said, nah, they're too small, they're too expensive, they're not up to our expectations, our customers, so we're going to hit pause on it. So they're probably waiting another two weeks at Dini's for that. 
yet across the street, you can go and get boiled crawfish from Captain Sid's or Schaefer and Rusich to go. Uh, tasty, small, yes. Expensive, yeah. They're nine, ten dollars a pound. Uh, but that's kind of where the season is right now. They're accessible. You can get them. You're going to pay for them. Uh, and, you know, it's your value equation of, like, do you, you know, how, how badly do you need to have a seafood boil on the first weekend of Lent? Uh, you know, I think if we wait a couple weeks, they'll be fatter, tastier, cheaper. Um, but if you need them now, they're available. But it's interesting you said that because I remember Tommy Satanovich talking about when oysters, the price of them was through the roof, that he had a choice of either feeding us as people, giving people a sandwich or selling them a sandwich with like three oysters on it or charging them $40, and he decided not to do either one. He just took them off the menu, and that's what some are opting to do, you're saying, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, but then again, I mean, I was out on Ash Wednesday, and you know, a lot of people were off, and they were, you know, parking lots were filled at, at seafood markets. People were looking for them. They wanted them, and eventually many people decided they were worth it. So along so, those lines, yeah. for people that have well wait let me get to this question before we get to the other one and that is somebody texted in if they're interested in boiling lobster is anybody that wholesales lobsters in town because i guess at 14 dollars a pound you're getting close with the price of lobster i would think right yeah sure no that's, that's a good point uh, i went to a couple markets where they had lobsters for sale and uh, they were you know boiled there I mean, there was one uh, that i saw cna seafood it's over um where uh, where Earhart kind of intersects with Norman Francis, uh, great seafood market. They 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 didn't have crawfish yet, but they had lobsters. For uh, I think it was fourteen dollars for a lobster. You know, so that's a pound of crawfish or a whole lobster. And take your pick, uh, but please don't boil them. Don't don't treat lobsters like crawfish. You know, they 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 don't they don't they don't respond the same way in my opinion, and and they deserve to be cooked in their own their own special way. You know, a more gentle boil with some drawn butter, or better yet, grilled. You know, split them in half and grill them charbroil them, something like that. Something more interesting than that. Don't 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 treat don't treat your lobsters like crawfish. For a second, I thought um, you were talking about adopting them, making them a pet. I don't know where you're going with that. Somebody yeah, wants to know about um, the college. Yeah, sure, absolutely. A different. Did you ever see that Simpsons episode or not? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious when he has a pet lobster. When he has a pet yeah. lobster and puts it anyway, you got to look it up. Um, somebody wants to know about trying a different shrimp po' boy every week. And where to go? And, and as we talk about that, I see a story about uh, a po' boy shop in Gentilly, and I notice that the lady is using newspaper, I guess, to wrap the seafood that people buy. And I suddenly realize that the stuff that you wrote might be in some of those newspapers. And how does that affect you as a writer? <laughs> it's very meta. It really is. Yeah. yeah. So will the circle be unbroken? Tommy? That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's like you know, yeah. where's my stuff? <laughs> the stories that we soaking write. up seafood juice right there. Yep. Yep. Laid across. Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, that's if you're looking for a shrimp po' boy, and I believe that was the question, that would be my first yeah. place to go to. There's a story right now. In fact, it's a really fun video uh, that myself uh, and my colleague Chelsea Shannon and the great, great photographer Chris Granger uh, produced together. It's part of a series we've been doing of these kind of quick hit visits called Eaten with Ian, uh, and it's because of alliteration, of course. And uh, we've been going to these small kind of mom and pop, hidden gem often type of restaurants around the city. And uh, the latest one that just dropped yesterday uh, is all about Zimmers. And Zimmers is in Gentilly. It's fantastic. It's a seafood market. It's right next door to the magnificent John Gendusa Bakery, one of the last uh, producers of traditional po'boy bread. And boy, is it traditional. You, you can walk right in the door. Uh, people are buying 
bags of bread right through the screen door there for a couple bucks. Uh, you see restaurant people swing by there all the time. They walk the bread over to Zimmer's when they need some more. It doesn't get any fresher than that. Mm-hmm. So what you get in there is this toasted John Jandusa sesame bread uh, with really, in my opinion, the perfect-sized shrimp, not monsters, not tiny, just just right, Goldilocks style, with this wonderful crunch on the outside, and you get the crispiness of the bread, the crunch of the shrimp, uh, the, you know, the mayo, the lettuce, the tomato. Hold the ketchup for me, please. They will put that on there for you. The Zappa hot sauce, and it's perfect. Uh, and Zimmer's is it's been around for quite some time. It's in Gentilly. It's a neighborhood institution. Uh, it's got zero seats, no tables. So what everyone does is takes their, their po' boy or their boiled seafood, uh, and they, they either eat it in their car uh, parked out there you know, next to the neutral ground, or they go home with it, or you, you can do what Chelsea and, and Chris and I did and go immediately to Bayou St. John and find one of the very few, tragically few benches available along there, but there are a few, a few still. Uh, have a seat, or in our case, open up the tailgate of your car and just sit there and look at the bayou and eat your shrimp po' boy and peel a few boiled shrimp. The crawfish were not rolling at Zimmer's when we visited. They probably are by now, but their boiled shrimp is terrific. And that gets back to your original point. With crawfish being expensive, what are the alternatives? Just think about what's around you. I mean, I've been saying for a long time, I think boiled shrimp deserves more respect on the New Orleans table. People lose their ever-loving minds over crawfish, and I love them too, and a crawfish boil is a really special experience. But you can do something really similar with boiled shrimp. And sometimes for me, you know, the, the reward ratio of peeling a big, fat Gulf shrimp, mm-hmm. popping that in your mouth versus, a, you know, the the, uh, the piecework labor of a big enough crawfish to get, get yourself to half a pound. Uh, it's, a nice, it's a nice variation. And our shrimp are magnificent. And God knows our shrimpers need, need the help and a little more love at the dock. So if the upshot of a, of a, of a crazy, inscrutable crawfish season is that some people – return to shrimp or give shrimp another shake, uh, maybe that could be a little silver lining. And one other thing I wanted to bring up, because I think you've written about this in years past, are all the great fish fries that happen all over town. Yes. In fact, there's a story on NOLA.com right now. I did not write it. My colleagues assembled it uh, that has a sort of parish by parish, and I mean that both ways, church Mm -hmm. parish and and civic parish, uh, breakdown of uh, fish fries that are happening starting today. Uh, and, you know, not every church that does a fish fry does them every Friday. But um, this one has the details of which dates they're doing it, what's on offer, their price, the details that the, that the various churches have provided. And so that's a great starting point. Uh, so, yeah, you can, you can find that easily at NOLA.com. Just Google fish fries, NOLA.com, 2024. It'll pop right up. A lot of hard work by a lot of people, and it's and it's your your Friday night fish fry already done for you, and it's a great list of places that you have there. And I love the play on words of parish by parish because it really is both uh, civic and religious, right? Yeah, indeed. And exactly the point that we were talking about with Tet, where you get this glimpse of, of a community coming together for this endeavor to put beautiful, delicious food on the plate for you in this like festive setting. Same goes with these fish fries, you know? You get to... I know a lot of people out there are very loyal to their particular parish church, you know, but food will food will, will guide your tour of, of different places in New Orleans, and you can you know, see how different communities do it, see how the different flavors, see the different cultures behind it all. It's, it's, it's a fun way to explore New Orleans, and, and it's you know it's just another delicious piece of the season here. And before we, we wrap it up, the church yep. the church you were mentioning with the Tet Festival of New, Lunar New Year's where. Mary Queen of Vietnam Church. It's on Dwyer Avenue. It's a couple blocks off of Chef Mentor. It's out in um, 
in New Orleans, east of Village de Les neighborhood. If you're familiar with Dung Fung, and I know a lot of you are, uh, if you're headed out that way from New Orleans, just before you get there, you turn off into the neighborhood and just follow the cars. I mean, this is a big festival that goes on over three days starts tonight and it's uh it's wonderful you should you should really you should really experience it um and it's a very family friendly event and it's uh it, it's i've when i go i i am definitely unnotching the belt by a by a loop and uh, getting ready to dive into what this vietnamese community is going to serve up a lot of dishes you don't find at restaurants sounds great thank you ian mcnulty if you take nothing away from today else take away ian's quote about balut it depends upon how far things have gone in there ian mcnulty <laughs> Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you next Friday. We come back. We're going to talk with Jeff Palermo, WWL.com columnist, Louisiana Network News Director, about LSU baseball season starting today. National defending national champions, first pitch, 2 o'clock. Back in a flash, WWL. First, though, look at traffic. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.